I just want to jump in really quickly to ask a very important favour. We know that most of you who listen to No Bullshit Leadership haven't yet hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite podcast player. This is how the podcast grows. And even though we've already got a pretty decent global following, we're only scratching the surface of what's possible. We started this podcast over five years ago with the lofty ambition of improving the quality of leaders globally. So if you've got any benefit at all from listening to the podcast, I'd ask you to just take a moment, literally a moment, to hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite player. The world needs more no-bullshit leaders, and you can help us to make that happen. Back to the episode. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership, or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 162 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, Managing Up, a Cheat Sheet. We get an unbelievable number of questions every month about how to manage upwards more effectively. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that. When we run our Leadership Beyond the Theory cohorts, many of the questions are framed like this. Marty, it's all well and good for me to become a better leader, but I'm working for a boss who just doesn't get it. How can I manage the situation so that I can still perform to the best of my ability despite their interference? I've seen some grand masters at upwards management in my time, And by all accounts, I was pretty reasonable at it myself. But I could never stomach the people around me who used upwards management as their sole means of ingratiating themselves with the boss. The dynamic we should be trying to create 
is to manage upwards to enhance performance, not just to feather our own nest. All too often, that becomes a Machiavellian game with a high body count. And the organisation suffers tremendously as a result in terms of both culture and performance. So whereas you don't want to be labelled as an upwards manager, you still need to be able to effectively optimise the situation you're in. And without support from your boss, you're pretty much screwed in a corporate environment. So building that relationship is all important. So I'm going to start with some guidance on knowing who it is you're actually working for. I'll move on to the number one principle for managing upwards effectively. We'll have a quick look at how to see the world from your boss's perspective. And I'm going to finish with my nine hot tips for managing up in any situation. And for this one, I'm going to give you a free downloadable yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 162. So let's get into it. Now, before you start worrying about how to manage your boss, you need to know your boss. Who is it that you're actually working for? What type of culture does your boss create? Not what she talks about, but what she's serious about enforcing. What does she set in terms of the tone, the pace, and the standard? For example, does she encourage and welcome respectful challenge? Does she draw out and listen to the diverse views of the team? Is she authoritarian? Does she micromanage? Is credit passed down to the right level or always preserved for the boss herself? What happens when something goes wrong? Does the boss fold or does she fire up when she's under pressure? Does she play favourites or does she run a merit-based organisation? Is your boss a kiss-up, kick-down kind of leader? Does she have a finger on the pulse? All of this goes to culture, the way we do things around here. Then, what signals do your boss send to you about his expectations of you? Now, all bosses think that they want independent, hard-working self-starters. They'll always tell you that they want people who are challenging and innovative. People who take accountability for getting things done. Leaders of others who can rally the troops to victory. People who challenge everyone around them to be better. People with high moral and ethical standards. And look, there are lots of leaders like this. They value great people and you can feel it. Happy days if you have one of those. Bosses like this are relatively easy to work for and very little upwards management is required because they already have the foundations and principles of decent leadership. I was fortunate enough in my career to have a surplus of these leaders, and they propelled me forward. But there are also many bosses who ultimately just want someone to agree with them and do what they're told. They're often insecure leaders who are happier when they're not being challenged. Now, of course, this kills performance and drives a very unhealthy culture into a team. But bosses like this don't like to be challenged, as it messes with their deep insecurities. They want their people to nod and smile and tell them how clever they are. They're more comfortable around people who confirm their greatness rather than bringing constructive challenge. Now, unfortunately, there are many suck-ups who will all too happily play right into this type of culture. In its worst form, these bosses are sometimes afraid of being outshone by their team. So they're conflicted about great ideas that aren't theirs. They know deep down how important your ideas are for performance but they kind of resent the fact that they're not coming up with the ideas themselves. So weirdly, these bosses often end up in competition with their people for attention from above. And then, of course, there are some other common things to look out for. Some bosses have to have the last say on everything. So don't expect any of your ideas to get legs. 
After a while, you'll eventually stop offering them. Other bosses like to have ultimate control, and they'll overrule their people on virtually everything. Now, this really messes with the accountability model. They want you to be submissive and to capitulate on all issues, but they also want to punish you and throw you under the bus the minute something goes wrong. And let's face it, some bosses are simply erratic and inconsistent. Now, ultimately, it's your assessment of your boss's own performance and behaviours that will guide you in how to approach the relationship. Let me give you the number one thing that you can do to manage upwards. Do your job. You see, ultimately managing up has nothing to do with your boss and much more about what you need to do to achieve results. Now we can all bitch and moan about how our boss behaves, but for me, I always figured it was better to just get on with it and do a great job. That seems to provide a lot more opportunity and longevity in virtually any organisation. And this is why the number one imperative we teach in Leadership Beyond the Theory is how to deliver value. Everything we do as a leader should be in service of this primary objective, and that's where we should focus our attention. You should be able to do this independently. With a good boss, this means you'll be able to supercharge the outcomes that they would have otherwise been able to achieve without you. With a not-so-good boss, you'll at least be able to deliver results, regardless of what they're doing to interfere or even suboptimize the situation. Now, I know this is good in theory, and a bad boss can make it a really long day in the office. But this should be your goal, to leverage your boss's strengths and whatever help she's prepared to give you, while neutralising any potential downside in her behaviour. And just a reminder, value is much more than just financial value. Imagine if you were working in an industrial business and you were able to set new standards of safety performance, reducing workplace injuries to zero. Would that create value? And would your boss be happy with that? Delivering value is the prerequisite for a great relationship with your boss. If you produce exceptional results, you'll be given a lot more room to move by even the most controlling or demanding boss. And there's nothing better than a bunch of open space to run in. It's also extremely rare that producing exceptional results will be frowned upon by your boss. I have seen this very occasionally, and one situation in particular comes to mind where one of my bosses was so insecure that the delivery of extraordinary value made him feel threatened. And it was as if he couldn't bring himself to recognise that performance because of how it would have made him feel about himself. Despite that, of course, he was happy to bank the bonuses that came as a result of that overperformance. But mostly, doing your job exceptionally well and delivering value will trump any downsides of your boss's nuances and quirks. In any human relationship, it's really important to be able to view the world through the other person's eyes. And your boss is no exception to this rule. Yes, there's a power dynamic that plays in their favour, but your goal is to cut through that to set a relationship on a more equal footing. You want to become a trusted advisor to your boss. Now, I spent a whole lesson in Leadership Beyond the Theory talking about being promotable. And part of this is embracing the principle that it's way better to be a trusted advisor than it is to be a workhorse. You create much more value for your boss and yourself that way. But the short story is, in order to become a trusted advisor, you need to think about the world differently. Sure, deliver on your own accountabilities first. 
Without this, managing upwards is a moot point. But you need to particularly think about how to add value to your boss with what you know, the capabilities you possess, and the resources you have at your disposal. This means you have to think above and beyond your own narrow objectives. It means looking upwards and beside you, rather than just downwards. Always be asking yourself the question, what can I do from my position to optimise the organisation overall, not just deliver my stuff? Now, there's no way that you can do this unless you've mastered the art of working at the right level and being able to see to the next level and identify with your customers, suppliers and other major stakeholders will turbocharge your ability to achieve great things. There's an old podcast episode that I love coming back to, and it's episode 85, Strategy Isn't Hard. This will help you to think about the higher order objectives and to focus up and out instead of in and down. Being astute in your knowledge of the company's strategy and how your team fits into that will open the door to many fruitful conversations with your boss. If, of course, you have the right boss. If you don't, you probably need to know that and you'll find out pretty quickly once you start to engage with your boss on her level. There are lots of serendipities to understanding more about what drives your organisation and what creates value for it. Not least of these is your ability to understand and communicate to your people what you expect from them. How do they fit into the bigger picture? And what do they need to do to be successful when they turn up to work each day? Apart from the high-level strategy, there are many other things you can do to engage with your boss and become the type of trusted advisor who's just allowed to go away and get on with it. So work out what you need to do in order to see the world through your boss's eyes and think about how you can add value to him, not just to do your own thing. Okay, so the two foundational things that you can always do because they're no regrets moves are A, focus on delivering value, in other words, do your job, and B, try to see the world through your boss's eyes. Now, I'm going to put together a grab bag of tips that you can use to manage upwards better. These are going to be situational, so think of them like potential tactics to draw upon under different circumstances. I have nine of these, and they're going to be available in a free downloadable, which you can get at yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 162. Number one, don't ever let your boss make a mistake. If your boss knows that you'll be there to stop him from stepping on a landmine, He'll really appreciate that, trust me. But if you're too timid to even tell him when he's entering a minefield, he'll be less likely to seek you out in the future. If you don't let your boss make a mistake, you'll establish intrinsic value to him. Number two, build trust. This is sort of supplementary to point number one. Trust comes through demonstrating that you're true to your values and you have a moral and ethical code that you won't compromise. You need to be consistent. Do what you say. And make sure your boss can rely on you to come through in any situation. Oh, and make sure you over-deliver. That seems to work pretty well. Number three, communicate appropriately. Make sure your boss understands what you're dealing with and therefore the risks that she's dealing with. Keep her informed, but don't invite her into your knitting. It doesn't require a blow-by-blow description. It's about headlines and punchlines and anything that you think might creep up onto their radar. So, for example, potential staff issues or anything that might garner media attention would be a classic to make sure your boss is kept informed of. 
but a really important rule is that bad news has to travel fast. As my trusted friend and colleague Mark Albertson would say, bad news by rocket, good news by rickshaw. So never leave your boss in the dark about something that she may need the opportunity to manage. Number four, learn how to give your boss feedback. And there are some rules of thumb here. Now let's assume first that you have the respect and the relationship that you need to be able to do this. Then follow these steps. You've got to pick your time. You've got to be genuine. Don't complain. Be constructive. Always ask permission first. Hey boss, do you mind if I give you some feedback? Be respectful and honest. And ask their opinion and guidance rather than telling them what they should be doing. Be specific so they know exactly what you mean. Now, not all bosses want feedback, I know that, nor do they create a feedback culture. I was really lucky to have people working for me who, for the most part, felt as though they could give me feedback on anything, because it's an essential component of a high-performance culture. Sometimes, I've got to admit, the hair would stand up on the back of my neck when I was receiving feedback, but I realised I just needed to get over that. So be a leader who seeks honest feedback from your people, and do your boss the courtesy of giving her the same. Number five, be a straight shooter, but in a diplomatic and respectful way. Always make sure your boss has the benefit of your honest views on something, even if it's controversial or unpalatable. Now, this is really a build on the previous two points on feedback and communication. You've got to think about how to soften your language when you're talking to your boss, even though you're delivering a very direct message. So I used to start with phrases like this. Look, boss, this is just a suggestion, but... Or something like, boss, it appears to me that X is happening. Sometimes I'd start even more meekly by saying, now look, I could well be wrong, but... Or, if I was offering a suggestion, I wonder what would happen if we tried this approach. And if you wanted to actually take something on, you can always say, would you like me to explore this option further? All of these statements are designed to make a very direct message sound less threatening. Number six, play the ball, not the man, or woman, of course. Never make things personal. If there's an issue or problem you're facing with a peer, you need to rise above it. I had a very recent podcast episode, episode 158, called The Blame Game. So don't blame others. That just sounds like excuses. The view is a hell of a lot better from the moral high ground, let me tell you. Even if your boss is stupid enough to engage in the politics and undermining behaviours that often occur in senior levels of larger organisations, let it go. You can let it go. Number seven, feed your boss insights and observations that he can't access himself. You have a perfect vantage point for giving your boss a bird's eye view of what's going on lower down in the organisation. And this could well stop him from believing his own bullshit. Don't cover up and gloss over any issues that exist below you, particularly in terms of culture, performance and resourcing. Give him the cliff note version, without dragging him into the detail and making it his problem, but you need to let him know what's going on, and most bosses are really grateful for getting intel about what really happens below them. Number eight, respect your boss's confidence. When your boss tells you something, they're telling you and only you. Now, there's sometimes a tendency to let those around you, particularly the people in your team, know that you have a privileged relationship with the boss. 
but that can be counterproductive. If you don't keep your boss's confidence, word travels quickly, and before you know it, you end up losing trust. How do I know this? Well, that's a mistake I made more than once in the early part of my executive career. Finally, number nine, know when to go. Many people labour in an impossible situation, hoping it's going to get better. But if it's that bad, it probably won't. Be adult enough to recognise this and make a plan to exit. Now, I hear all sorts of excuses for staying under an impossible boss. I owe it to my team to stay. I think things will improve. Um, I'm rising above this for the good of the organisation. It's all crap, right? Take the learnings from being in tough situations with bad bosses, but don't stay there until they beat the confidence and inspiration out of you. And don't fear jumping. If you do it for the right reasons, and you do it sensibly, you can largely mitigate your risk. So those are just a few techniques and tactics that you can use to try and get a better relationship with your boss and to mitigate the impact of a bad boss, because that's what the managing up question is mostly about. But the best advice I'm going to give you today is that as a leader, you need to make yourself almost impervious to your boss's machinations. You've got to learn to lead your team well enough so that your boss doesn't become a factor. And that's how you get results. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 162. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this episode with another leader who you know is going to benefit from it. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode because we're overdue for another Q&A with M. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. 